Well, good morning, church. Does that ring any bells up there? 2020, his mission, our vision. Aren't you glad 2020 is gone? But I have to tell you, I'm a little disappointed in our focus, our theme. I like the do-over, you know, his mission, our vision. Um, I'd like to try that again. But, uh, you know, that was what we, uh, last year, that was our focus. Uh, truly believe, still truly believe, that that was God-led, you know, that he had that uh, for us. Um, we didn't know what 2020 was going to bring back in January, but uh, he did, I think. Um, you know, his mission, our vision, it come from a lot of scriptures, but here's a couple of them. Um, Matthew twenty four fourteen. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's like the mission, right? Is to proclaim the good news. Uh, Matthew twenty eight verse eighteen. Here's another place this could have come from. Then Jesus came near and said to them, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth." Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. His mission, our vision. Man, I wish we had a do-over. You know, um, as I mentioned, you know, just moments ago, but all the way through the whole year, I, I believe that that was, you know, God's intent for us to have that focus. So his mission, our vision, as we went through all of this craziness, because it was quite a challenge, you know, to keep it about his, like our vision about his mission. It was so hard to not get sidetracked because there were so many other missions right, that were just screaming, hey, pay attention to me. Look over here. Don't be worrying about that mission. There's a mission right here in your backyard you better be paying attention to. I mean, just like the pandemic, was it not screaming at us? Look at me. Look how mighty and bad I can be. I need you to put all of your energy, all of your focus, all of your attention here. Or how about the political parties? Focus over here. Look over here. I need you to make this your mission for 2020. Not God your mission. Not what he has in store for you. You have to join us. If you don't join us, you got no future. Your future will be just gone. You better fear. What side am I talking about? <laughs> Both sides, right? Both sides were saying the same thing. You better join our side. You better pay attention. You better take this mission on. You better join the cause. You don't love them. Don't show compassion to them. Don't let them know that you care about them. And all of a sudden, there's this like division everywhere, right? Division in our country, uproar. Division in our churches, Division in our families, division in our communities, because that mission is different than the mission of God, isn't it? It's just different. With all of those missions screaming for our loyalty, it was hard. Wasn't it hard to keep our like focus upon his mission, like what he really wanted us to do? And some of you are wondering, you know, like, like if it wasn't for this, we would have got sidetracked, wouldn't we? And now you're wondering, like, is he being sarcastic in that comment? I don't know. Are you feeling guilty? <laughs> it was just hard. It was hard to really focus. And those are just the big ones, right, that, like, most of us have encountered. But there's a whole lot of other challenges, a lot of other things that come up that were screaming for our attention through 2020 and not, you know, trying to take our focus off of this mission to make it something else. There were, there were you know, there's been death, there's been sickness, 
There's just been relationship issues. There's been job losses. There's been a lot of things that has come up through 2020 trying to just be a distraction, a barrier from our focus. And God knew that, I think, don't you? Like, he, he knew that I got to give this church, this community, something to, to remember to focus on, to focus on my mission. I want a do-over. I can't help but, you know, I went to the calendar, and I was just sitting in front of the calendar, and I was just like, oh, this feeling of wanting to do it over, because it was just like, you know, January we did this, and February we had some things that we were moving into. But, but man, all year long we were just going we gonna to do things. I mean, I had like big hopes. I had activities and things planned for his mission, our vision, to really just push this along as we went through the year. And you get to March on the calendar, and it's just like nothing for the rest of the year. I mean... Sunday eventually, right? And then eventually kids coming together on Wednesday and then the adults coming together on Wednesday. But that's it. No harvest party this year. You know, none of those things that we planned for the, you know, to do this year, just not there. And I just couldn't help but, man. I just wonder, like, a thousand years if, if Jesus doesn't come back before then, which, you know, Let's pray that he does. But if he doesn't, a thousand years from now, the archaeologists are going to dig up and they're going to come across these calendars, right? And they're going to be like, what happened? I mean, everybody's calendars were just blank. But it was quite a, quite a year. You know, some of the best movies are when people... Or someone, you know, just encounters like this horrific situation, like a storm or a tornado or earthquake or whatever it would be. Uh, and, and they encounter it, and it just seems like it just wipes them out. I mean, like there's just no hope. They just don't have any purpose or energy to move on or go on. But somehow there's just a, some grit still there, right? There's just enough grit to get up and to dust yourself off and to pick up what's left and just to move on. And, of course, that's all at the beginning part of the movie, right? Because the best part is yet to come, and that is where they actually move forward. They build new. They, they replant. They, they have another harvest, and they move on to brighter days. And I was just thinking of all those movies, you know, that we have been inspired by over the years. This is one. I want to show you this little clip because this, this was one from way back when. Let's watch this. Last two minutes of the movie. Well, that was an oldie but a goodie, let me tell you. But what she said is, I think, just really important. You know, they, they, they can knock us down. They can give us a licking, but we're just going to keep on coming. We're just going to get up and go. And those things are inspiring. You know, I, I didn't, you know the, the whole philosophy of women, you know, just flowing like a river and, you know, and the jerks. I'm not real sure I understand all that. But, but I think that there is something to that, you know. Um, let me tell you something. Um, women are such a backbone of not giving up. Men can, you know, lose their crop and feel like their whole world falls apart because that's what they were putting everything into. Um, and it's often the ladies that are coming saying, we can do this, we can do this. I can't help but think that women are uh, more e- eternal bound, like they just know what's coming and we just stay into it. And men can get discouraged pretty easy. I know as a minister, right, um, you, you know, they used to have this saying, you, you win a child, you get a child. You win a mom, you get the mom and the children. You win a dad, you get the whole family. Uh, but uh, oftentimes the, ch- the church are full, with, full of children and women um, because women have this 
And anyway, I'm getting completely sidetracked here, but but I love just movies where they do that. They somehow have enough grit to them that they just pick themselves up. You know, they just pick up where they left off. First um, Peter chapter two verse nine it says. And by the way, we really have taken a licking. I'm talking about our country, our community, our churches, us as individuals. But this is what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And just like that lady said, you know, we are the people. We are, we, they may knock us down, but we're going to keep coming. Let me tell you, the church should be just... Licking its wounds if he needs to lick its wounds. It needs to just gather up its debris if it needs to gather up its debris. But it needs to put its hands back to the plow and start moving forward. There has to be some kind of recovery, and the recovery needs to start with the church. This should be the first place in Coffeyville, Kansas, that recovery starts. It's right here with our attitudes, with what we do, with how we do it. It should begin with us. Let me tell you something, people who belong to God. Isn't that what he wants you to do? Isn't that what he wants us to be about? I mean, we, we need to pick up where we were interrupted. We need to put our hands back to the plow. This is, this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 63, or 62. It says, Jesus said to them, No one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't give you a new birth just so that you would go fight a bunch of political battles. That's not what he gave you a new birth for. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't call some of us into politics. I believe that he does. We need faithful, godly people in politics. And sometimes he's going to call us into that. But for the rest of us, we're called to participate in a kingdom that he has brought. That is our responsibility. That is, as long as we can make his kingdom, our number one responsibility, and then so be it, do whatever you want. But that is so important for us to understand. Once we were not a people, once we were not a people, and once we put all of our eggs in this basket, but now you are God's people. And guess what? Now you put your eggs in his basket, in his kingdom, in what he is wanting to do. Maybe we've been interrupted, and I think for a great part of that, we have been. Maybe we've been knocked down and bruised, and I think for a lot of us, we have definitely been knocked down and bruised. Maybe we have fallen to the words that have been spoken from other missions and other people trying to distract us from the mission of God. And maybe we have joined arms and linked arms with a different mission, but you know what? Now it's time for us to realize what has happened and for us to put our hands back to the plow and stop looking back. To realize that we belong to a, another kingdom, not this kingdom. And we have other purposes and we have other missions and we have other visions that we are to be about. Which brings me to a new focus for 2021 that I think God is part of helping us with, and that is this: simply this. This is our new vision. Recover the mission. I think we do need a do-over, don't you? I think we need to recover it, don't you? I think that we've been distracted, don't you? 
I think it's been interrupted. I think we put too much focus and too much vision last year on stuff that we shouldn't have been so focused on and we should have been more focused on the kingdom of God. So the way I see this is that we will do it in like four upward movements because I believe that we have to dig out and we have to move up and beyond. And so there has to be these movements, these steps, these, this progression, this momentum that we have to create within our church and our community and in our lives and our family. And, and I think it is a, a, a progression. It's just like I truly do believe that it was like a storm. It was like a typhoon or a hurricane or whatever. You know, that's what they do. They disrupt life, right? A flood. They disrupt it. It's like you don't get to go on what you were going to do. You now have to be affected by this. I believe that the storm is, is somewhat over. I mean, I know that there's more people and more cases of corona and all of this stuff, and there's more to do with politics and all of this stuff, but I believe that the storm is over. Now it's just more of just debris everywhere. And it's more of just like we have to now, you know, get, you know, dig our way out and realize that there's debris everywhere. Now we just have to Get, have enough grit about us, church, and, and, and to begin to start picking up what's left so that we can move forward and move beyond. And so I see there's like these four different stages of upward movement. And the first one is, is just simply recover. That's what it is. It, it, I, I see it as, you know, just our... Uh, we're still going to have to deal with this for a little bit, so we just have to realize we've got to pick up and gather what we can gather. And so as we talk about recover, we, there will be this planning that is involved. I see it since there's four of them and there's 12 months, it would be like there's these quarters, right? For the first three months that we just focus on recovery. And so we're going to talk about things like gathering, because we need to gather up what is left of us and, and what, we, what is really important to us. And when I went out to help with the tornado in Greensburg, and when I went out over to Joplin and helped a little bit there, particularly in Greensburg, because we got there right after it happened. We were there the day that President Bush you know, landed in his helicopter to talk to the people there. And there was... These people, the reason they wouldn't let us in like the day it happened is because people's belongings were everywhere. They didn't want them looted, you know, and so they were trying to keep that from happening. But one of our number one job was, was to help these poor people find things that were valuable to them that you cannot replace, like pictures and heirlooms and things like that. That was all they cared about. They didn't care about, you know, anything that was material, but things that could not be replaced. And so part of this recovery is us realizing and finding the things that cannot be replaced, the things that are most valuable to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And realize how valuable they are to rediscover. You know, sometimes you, you can lose track of the things that are really valuable to you. In fact, it'd be my guess that a lot of the things that are in your house right now that are the most valuable to you, you don't look at on a daily basis. They're probably put away in a drawer or locked up in a box or something like that, right? But if there was a tornado, those would be the things that you would want the most. You'd want to recover them. And I think for us as a church is just to remember that there are things that are precious to us and things that we have overlooked, been overlooking too long. And for us just to look into those things. And, and so there's just this gathering. There's just this together. we got to talk about being together because we are in this together. When you have things like such things that are so devastating like the earthquake, I mean the tornado I was just talking about, there is nothing that brings a community together like that. Because everybody needs help, and everybody knows that they need one another. And for us just to understand that for us to move on, we need to gather stuff, but we also need to be there to help one another and encourage one another. There has to be this conversation about executing, right? What's the plan? What are we going to do to move forward? We're picking up all this stuff, and we're having this conversation about what we're going to do. 
And all of that's going to lead to our next upward movement, and that is renovation. And this renovation is literally physical and spiritual, right? I mean, I look around, church, and I see our building in such need of tender, loving care. Uh, The north side of the building, thanks to Andrew back there, at least got patched, right? But never got painted, never really got sorted out. There are so many things. There's floor that is coming up because of water leaks. There is... There is just so many things in this building. And there's, it's not to, to blame anybody, but, but that's part of, of ha- having, being renovated is, is preparing. Who are we preparing for in the future? We got to prepare for this mission. What is our mission? It's to seek and to save the lost. It's to go out and tell. It's to bring people in. It's, and so there, there has to be this preparing for that time, Right? And, and there's just so many things. We started making a list on uh, Google Docs, and I shared it with, like, the elders and Jane and Andrew and a few people, and I'm going to share it with a whole bunch more. But we're going to have organization, and we're going to start knocking out some of these things. Some of these things that we have started, we're going to finish them, right? And some of the things that need some care, we're going to care for them. We're, we're going to divide up into to groups, maybe groups of four. It seems like that seems to be a good number. <laughs> And we'll just divide some of these things up that need some help and some care. And then you pick where you think that you could help. Because we're, we're fixing to move the youth back there and the office up here. And there's going to be like painting. And maybe some of you can paint. Maybe some of you can decorate. Maybe some of you can do construction stuff on the back. But you'll get to choose where you think you can fit in for whatever. Maybe you can bring cookies and, and refreshments, whatever it is. But we want everybody to participate. If we had a work day, I, I know how this works, right? It would be the same five people that show up every time we have a work day, or 10 or 15. I don't know how many would show up, but it would be the same people. But we need to do this as a church and everybody participate. And so if we have these groups and these clusters, I think you, you find out what team you're on. You get together with your team. Here's your list. And now you make a plan on how to execute it. And so there's this building that needs prep, renovation. For what? For ministry. For whose ministry? For God's ministry, his mission, right? But then there's going to also be this conversation that we have about the same kind of thing only in a spiritual realm. Just renovating the inside of who we are. And, And just walking through that. You know, no, no, we're going to kind of divide it up in, into these categories. No, grow, show, go. You know, know your skills, not only physically for the building projects, but also know your skills for the kingdom of God. How is it that God can use you? We're not all used the same. We're not all located in the same area. But to know what you have to offer, your talents and your, your role, your purpose, And to talk about growing your team, we all need to be a part of, you know, we need we need uh, comrades, cohorts, you know, whatever you want to call them. But we all need to be a part of a group that motivates us to continue to do the mission. And for us to gather our team, we'll talk about, you know, one one another's and maturing. We'll talk about show. You know, show your work. That's what God says. Show your work to, to be valuable. And for us to show that we are being an example in our community, an example in our family. And, and for us to be bold. And the last we'll talk about is going. You know, go into our world. You know, loving people enough that if you work at Walmart, you go to Walmart in the name of Jesus and talk to them about Jesus. Loving people enough, if you work at school, to love them enough to try to figure out every way that you can possibly introduce them to Jesus. Loving them enough to move. Loving them enough to give grace everywhere you go. There shouldn't be this. So frustrating. 
You know, one of the missions that was trying to derail us from the mission of God was trying to tell you, don't wear a mask. And then one of the missions that was trying to derail you from God was telling you to wear masks. You know, God has something to say about mask wearing too. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love one another. Treat others. Isn't it frustrating when Jesus teams up with the wrong side? Doesn't that frustrate you? You know, it's, it's just loving people, being gracious to people, being compassionate everywhere you go to people. Not because it's some political agenda, but because of Jesus Christ and his mission. That is our mission, church. That's what we signed up for. We're going to move into another section because this is going to be an upward and, and it is going to get us out of this funk that this year, last year, has put us in. But this third section is going to be planting or reconnecting. I love the word reconnect, don't you? I think our society is going to be their favorite word in 2021. I, I talked to you about this already. I'm just running into people constantly. They're just hungering for connection. They just can't wait to be reconnected with people. They can't wait to get rid of this barrier that we call a mask. They can't wait to, to feel free to be around and hug and and really bond with people. And I think nobody knows anything, really. But I think in July with the vaccines and stuff, and, and whether we have a vaccine, people are just going to get it. But either way, we are going to, at some point, and I'm hoping by July, that we can start reconnecting. You know, we are going to pick ourselves up in the debris and we're going to move move into preparing and start getting our our building ready start getting ourselves ready holy and we're going to be ready to start planting aren't we we're going to be ready to gather together maybe we'll do stuff for the 4th of July that we've been wanting to do maybe we will figure out because of our planning that we've been preparing and planning that we will, you know, start having gatherings or doing stuff together, maybe small, small groups. Maybe for the first time we will be hungering for that kind of thing. But whatever it is, we are going to reconnect. And we are going to sow and we're going to water and we're going to pray and we're going to encourage. Because we are going to be so focused upon Recovering the mission of Jesus Christ. And the last thing I just think is going to be our, our upward movement is this reaping or harvesting or producing. Right? Because it's all for the, a purpose. We got to get ourselves out of this. We got to gather our debris and we got to plant and we got to renovate and we got to, you know, um, move Somewhere, where are we moving? Hopefully to reaping, right? Farmers don't plant for no reason. They plant for a reason. What's the reason? It's to harvest. <clears throat> and hopefully that is our method and our purpose too, is by the end of this year, for us to really be kicking it in gear and us being the church that God has called us to be and us really reaping some of the things that we have been sowing into and all of the planning. Like for us to realize it's so important for us to dig out, right? So important for us to renovate, right? Inwardly and outwardly. So important for us to plant or reconnect. But it's all for a purpose, and that is for us to produce, for us to reap. I think we ought to have a friend day again. You know? I think that that would be cool because that was like one of our biggest Sundays we had in this church is when people 
all brought somebody or some people with them into this church. Wouldn't it be awesome to have this church full again? I think we ought to have a revival, don't you? I mean, I think, I even thought, you know, who could talk to us about the vision? You know, like the mission of God, evangelism. And I kind of think we ought to have these churches that we have helped start in Aldermont and Independence and Winfield. Maybe they come and talk to us. Because what is it that they are all about? They're all about taking nothing and creating something. They're all about focusing on just the loss. Let's find people that don't have Jesus and see if we can't get them into this fellowship with us. And I think maybe they could speak into our lives, don't you? But I think we need a revival. I, th- I think that we need to gather during that time. We need to give we need to do some pruning because that's what you do, right? After the harvest is pruned because you're pruning for another day. And I think we just keep repeat, repeating. I want to read to you another passage of Scripture, and then we're going to close out today. I'm just going to read it to you. It's not on the overhead here. Now great clouds, crowds accompanied him, Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I know that you've read that before and had that read to you before, but I just want you to let that sink in just for a minute. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate, and you put in the blank, you fill it in. Jesus gave you a little list there just so that you wouldn't leave anything out, right? Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desires to build a tower does not first set down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not set down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet... A great way off, he sends a delegation and and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, listen to what Jesus says. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Exaggeration? You think? You think he was serious? How you've been living 2020, as if that's an exaggeration, as if you didn't take him serious. Let me illustrate. Suppose I had a desire to sail around the world. Now, I don't have such a desire, and I think anybody that has a desire is kind of crazy, but well, let's just say I do. I'm going to get in a little boat, sail boat, and I'm going to sail around the world. Maybe I'll start heading over to Europe first and move my way. But suppose that I had this desire to sail around the world, but it costs me, I don't know, $300,000. The people that own boats are probably laughing at me like, dude, you're not going to buy much for $300,000. I don't know what they cost, Okay. But let's just say it costs $300,000. I don't have $300,000. I don't even have a few thousand dollars to spend on such an adventure. But I have this desire in me to sail around the world, right? 
Well, this really rich businessman, he hears of my desire that this is all I've ever wanted is to sell around the world, but I don't have the means to do it. And he comes up to me, Mike, and he says, Mike, I want to pay for all of that. I will give all of it, 300000 and if it costs $400,000, i will pitch that in to you. You just don't worry about that. I'm going to give this to you. Now, it's free, wasn't it? Free gift? Yeah, he's going to fit the bill. Is it really free, though? Because if, if I take him up on this offer, right, his free offer to finance me, it's still going to cost me, isn't it? It's going to cost me all of the months, probably years of training. Physical training, knowledge training, everything that you can think of. It's going to cost me because I'm thinking that when I get out there in the ocean and I'm miles from anywhere, I kind of think I'm going to run into a storm at some point, don't you think? And it could cost me. It could cost me dearly. It could actually cost me my life. In fact, a lot of people have tried this and a lot of people have died trying it. And so even though it was free, right, the opportunity was free, it doesn't mean that it was free. Count the cost. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Now look, I'm going to give you eternal life. It's going to cost you nothing. It's not anything that you could pay for anyway. No way, but I'm going to give it to you. Free of charge. But it's going to cost you something. Don't you know that it's going to cost you something? See, I think half the world that go to church don't, don't get this figured out in their head. That it's actually going to cost them something if they decide to take Jesus up on his offer. What's it going to cost you? Jesus says it costs you everything. He says, that if, what is it that you love in this world? Do you love your mother and your father? It's going to cost you that love. And it doesn't, he's not trying to say, don't love your father and mother. He's saying, they are no longer going to be number one in your life. If you're going to take me up on my offer, I've just replaced that number one in your life. Is it your children? I've just replaced that. You no longer can put them number one. So therefore, you cannot make your decisions based on what's best for them. You've got to make your decisions what's best for me. And just pray that that is best for them. <laughs> Politics been number one in your life? Yeah, renounce that. Yeah, I'm serious. That's what Jesus says. You put something... Whatever it is, I don't know what's on your list, but if there is something that has derailed you, that has distracted you, that has caused you to join arms and link arms with something else other than Jesus Christ and his mission, you have got things all screwed up this last year. And it is time for us, church, to take Jesus at his word. You take Jesus at his word, you get what Jesus tells you you get. If you don't, then I don't know what you get. I don't know what you get. It's time for the church to take Jesus at his word and to be about his kingdom. You know, let, me, let us consider this. A, f- a friend offers to give you a free ride in his plane. This happened to me, by the way. It wasn't his plane, actually. But Dinko, you remember Dinko? Some of you will remember that name. But when I was over playing ping pong with Dinko, and it was like at midnight over in a I don't even know the farmer, but it was some farmer that he knew over in Independence and out in his barn, which was pretty amazing, by the way. But we were playing ping pong, and I'm getting tired. There's a big old storm brewing outside, and he says, hey, you want to go fly? And I'm just like, yeah. And we try opening the door, and you can't hardly open the door because the wind's blowing so hard. Of course, I'm not registering that really high winds and planes don't usually go together very well. <laughs> Uh, but uh, and I know that he, I just put all my trust in him. So we go out to the airport there in Independence. We get in this, one of these Cessna planes, and we take off. And we go up, and we come around, and we go down like we're going to land, but we don't land. We go back up. 
And we're just doing this. And the last one time he comes around, he just shuts the motor off. And I'm just like, dude, did you just do that? He's like, do what? Because <laughs> I didn't know he shut the motor off. I was just like, I don't hear a motor running anymore, you know. He says, do what? And he was just messing with me. But, and then he just told me, he says, I, you know, I have to do these takeoffs and lands, takeoffs and lands, and I have to have so many in my log. And, and I have to do some in good weather and some in bad weather. Well, this was the bad weather situation, right? And I also have to do stall landings where you just turn off the motor and then you have to land. But we're going into the wind, and everything is fine. And I'm just, I finally just convinced myself he knows what he's doing, quit freaking out. And about that time, I start seeing sweat running down his cheek, you know. I was like, so what's going on? He's like, well, I think we'll make it. <laughs> the wind was blowing so hard, it was not giving us enough. I mean, it was starting to stall us out too much. When we hit that landing, I mean, I, did, I thought for sure we weren't going to hit it, but I guess we did because we went ahead and rolled on. But, but we just hit it at the very edge of that landing and went on. But anyway... I want you to consider that for a minute, a free ride in an airplane. He invites you to come along at his expense. And if you accept the offer, what does that mean? It means that he is in control, you're not. Right? It means that you have to trust the one who is in the plane. If you accept his offer, you get what you get. You're no longer in charge. And that's what Jesus is really trying to drive home. Is that if you signed up for this ride, that Jesus is the pilot. And Jesus really is trying to drive home the fact that it means that you put him number one in your life. That you make his kingdom your priority and not this kingdom or anything of this kingdom anymore. And no one here gets that position either. Jesus Christ freely offered the water of life to us. And I would be my guess, if I had you raise your hands, that all of you would probably raise your hands saying, yep, I took him up on that offer. Back in 1989 for me, I don't know what it was for you, but that's when I took him up on that offer. I thought it was a pretty sweet deal. Didn't realize how much it was going to cost me, though. But I still would have done it, even if I understood it. But let me tell you something. Sometimes I need to be reminded of what it actually does cost. And I think 2021 needs to be a big reminder to the church of what it actually costs to, to accept the ride, accept the free gift, and for us to really get back to the plow, putting our hands to the plow. So do you want it still? You still want it? You still want to be a part of it, church? This mission, you still think it's worth it? You think it's worth renouncing everything else and still being a part of it? Church, it's time to recover the mission, don't you think? He deserves it. He demands it, just as I just read to you. He died for us to be committed to it, which is what we're fixing to walk into. He did this right here so that we would do our part. Let me pray, and then we'll move into that. Father God, I thank you so much for the love that you have given to us. I thank you so much, Father, for the, the focus and the vision and the purpose for what we have. It's not that there are not a lot of great and good and 
important things to be pursuing in this world. It's just that there's nothing greater than for us to be completely committed to Jesus Christ and his mission. We could search all of our lives to try to find something, but we would always come up empty-handed. I just, I completely believe this, and I pray, Father, that we are a church that completely believes this. That we don't continue to pursue anything other than Jesus, his kingdom, his mission, and that we do it the way that he would want us to do it, that we would love And that we would forgive and we would be merciful and we would be inclusive and inviting. Not dropping Jesus' standards, but dropping at least our standards. Help us, Father, to become the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just... I have always been a preacher who has a hard time ignoring anything around what's going on. And uh, I drove to church the other morning when all that was happening in our world. Um, And I told Jane, I don't know if I can preach my sermon that I was planning on preaching. I mean, I don't know. Because I just have a hard time just ignoring that kind of stuff, but... I decided that I'm just going to not ignore it at the table today. This is table talk, right? I mean, this is, this is where families have their serious moments, right? And they can have this, their, their conversations. I think there's things that we can learn from this week, don't you? I mean, I think if we look at God's word, what would God want to say to his church about the things that have transpired this last week? I thought of three things just driving from my house four miles to this church. And the first thing that I think from God's word that he just spoke to me, and hopefully maybe he'll speak to you, and that is that God will always oppose the proud. Always. And I, I, pride comes from both sides for sure. There is pride everywhere we look anymore. You will look on the football field, you just wait and see. Because we got the Super Bowl coming up. Don't see if you don't see some pride running around. So much pride, but, but God's word, if we take God's word literally, then we have to realize that He poses that. He poses arrogance. He, he doesn't want people to be like that. And guess what God also promises? He will always humble. Always humble. Who's the most humble person you know? Is it not Jesus Christ? Was he ever arrogant, boastful? No. And this is how we are to be, church. Inside the church and outside the church. In our family, in our community, everywhere we go, we should look to what Jesus was like because that's what he wants us to be like. And we should always know if we're going to hang out, if, if we're going to make our buddy the guy who is so prideful that he's going to come down, and hopefully you don't come down with him. I can't help but think that the church got hurt a little bit in the midst of all of this. It's just my opinion. Here's another thing I think that we can learn. And that is that his greatest weapon for turning the world upside down to rescuing the world is what? What's his greatest weapon? Love. Is it not? No greater thing there is than love. Faith, hope, love, and the greatest of these is what? Love. Jesus, did he not, when we come to the table, are we not reminded that that is how he rescued us, is through love? That is how he changed the world is through love. Why would we think that there is another way to do that? Like through force or through ridicule, through any other way for them for us to love. If we're going to be a church that is on mission, then we change our neighbors through loving our neighbors. 
not ostracizing our neighbors or pointing fingers at our neighbors or, or attacking our neighbors. We have to do it through love. Here's the next thing and the last thing that I thought of, and that is that man will always disappoint you. Isn't that so true, though? And, and I don't mean man like only men. I mean like man the way that the Bible normally used man, right? Man or woman. Because we all will eventually disappoint and let you down. I bet you're married to somebody that's let you down. Just guessing. Because that's just what we do. We, 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 it's not that we want to, but it's just because we're so imperfect. We're going to have people in our lives that will always let us down. And this should just be a lesson to us that that's just going to happen. We just got to expect it. But that's not where our hope is in anyway. Our hope shouldn't be in man. Our hope should be in the one man that can't let us down, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can't let us down. So, humility is the way that I think we ought to come to this table today. And some of you are having a hard time. I can already tell with that, right? But humility is how you ought to come to the table. Making this all about Jesus. Love is how we should come to the table. If we're harboring ill feelings towards anybody, I can already tell you how he wants you to handle this time right here. He wants you to let it go for his sake. Not for their sake, not for your sake. Not for Mike's sake. He's wanting you to let it go. Like, you just have to make the decision. Jesus, you are, you are worth it. I'm giving you a big time sacrifice today because I had some pretty hard feelings towards whatever it is. But I'm saying that you're worth it. And love should come to the table. The last thing is that uh, we should just put all of our hope and trust in this man right here. He's the only one that has proved himself all the way through. The only one that's ever kept his word all the way through. And he will continue to do it. That's where all of our hope goes, right here. All of our trust goes right here. So let us think about these things as we come to the table. Father God, we want to humble ourselves before you. Only you, Father, are worthy. Father, thank you so much for loving us. And thank you for giving us an opportunity just like this every week that we can love you back. Father, thank you for not letting us down, but being faithful as we sung about earlier when Matthew was leading Matthew and Madison was leading us that just reminding us of how faithful you are it's in Jesus name we pray amen